Well, the last eight or 10 trading days have been a beatdown for the grain markets. I'm telling you, glad to have it over and hopefully a fresh start with the first day of May coming up on Monday. Friday was the first notice day for May contracts. So maybe, just maybe, end of the month balancing the positions might give us that fresh start we so desperately need after significant losses or on the dark side. Are we witnessing maybe a harbinger of ugly things to come? We'll talk about that coming up next. Coley and Kavanaugh and the Weekly Market by the Numbers brought to you by the Alley County Farm Bureau. The Farm Bureau has got to be the most active and aggressive farm lobbying group locally and on the state level as well as the nation. So uh, none of that happens, though, without your membership. Go online and find out more at itpaystobeamember.org. John Cavanaugh, it is hard not to say I told you so, but, you know, we started telling farmers at the Fort Wayne Farms Show back in January that conditions and potential conditions, as far as that goes, were lining up to create a pullback in grain prices. And uh, to your recent projections, your math equation that you did recently with all of the possibilities out here, a significant pullback, uh, really, based on your numbers with good planting progress and favorable weather. Oh, my gosh, has it been ugly. You are exactly right, Rob. I'll tell you what. It's come sooner than I expected. I I was fearful that if we had normal weather conditions uh, that we were going to see this happen. We were going to see a huge fallback in prices because of a huge buildup in stocks, but it's come much sooner. And the reason why is it's because of exports. Uh, Export situation for corn has just (laughs) been dismal. Horrible. Oh, it's horrible. We had two major cancellations this week. On Monday, China canceled 337,000 ton purchase of corn from the U.S. Thursday, they canceled another 233,000. Export inspections on Monday were sicker than expected uh, and continuing to fall behind. And the current pace of exports, and I'm looking at inspections because they're more important than sales. Remember that, especially this time of the year, because that's what we're actually shipping. But anyway, uh, the pace of, of uh, shipments suggests that we're as much currently as 183 million bushels behind what we need to be doing to hit the USDA objective. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> That's ugly. And this is the time of the year. Sh- should be the peak season for corn shippers. But, you know, to your point about China canceling these cargoes, that just causes us to take another look at some other things and, you know, what's going on. And one of the things I noticed this week was that Brazil and their massive harvest, uh, you know, ex- Expected by mid-year. That's another thing to consider here. But U.S. export bookings to all non-China destinations all of a sudden becomes pretty important when China's backing out and canceling stuff on us. And they're the second lowest levels for this date in at least 20 years. Yeah, that's shocking. I would. You told me that situation, Rob, and I couldn't believe it. I said, you mean non-China destinations are down that much? That's very distressing. I only have one explanation for that at this point. I don't think it's overall world demand because of world demand numbers continue to be reasonably high. I think it's because of South America, in particular yeah. Brazil. You know, they've been expanding and expanding uh, uh, their <laughs> corn production, and China canceled those U.S. purchases. Well, you know, the corn for June shipment forward out of Brazil is cheaper than the U.S. Now, I did not expect that one either, so I'm going to blame it all on Brazil. 
I'm sure there's more to it than Brazil, but that's a big one. And then, I guess, of course, again, this past week, export sales for corn, again, were less than expected. Mm-hmm. Not good at all. We've got a problem. Yeah, we do. And I think we need to look at numbers, not for numbers' sake, but comparative aspects of it and to put things into you know some sort of relative world of understanding. Old crop soybean export sales, they say, quote, air quotes, rebounded to 11.4 million bushels this week, up from 3.7 the week prior, which, talk about dismal, that's beyond dismal, and uh, technically mid-range in terms of uh, trade expectations, but still behind the comparable week last year at 17.7 million bushels. So when you put it into perspective, all of a sudden you get a sense about, okay, we rebounded, but well, nowhere big close deal. to where we were last year. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, we rebounded, but not enough. Yeah, you can celebrate if you want, but we're not even close. And uh, John, this pressed me into action this week to start looking at resistance levels. And we just had a brief conversation about this. But, you know, the interesting thing is you look at corn and when it dropped below $6 this week down into the mid fives, now you're going, whoa. Uh, the gee, uh, we're moving toward four dollars, and that's that's creepy. So I started no, looking, started looking at support levels and support at five seventy five, five seventy four, five fifty. You know, down in that range. What do you make of that? It's very bearish, and it's been a major fallout in prices this week. And uh, like I said, it's caught me earlier than expected. Although you know, planning progress is at or above normal, and despite the cold weather, things have been relatively dry, and expected to stay somewhat on the dry side for a while. And it's actually, eventually, in about ten days or so, going to warm up some, <laughs> which we desperately need that. But what that says is, is that there's good chances of getting not only the uh, 92 million corn acres, we may even gain a few. Although we do have problems out in the Dakotas and the Central Plains states, and I'm talking about Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, in through there, they're still droughty. Yeah. They're still very dry, and that's one problem area that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And again, you know, back to the be careful with your celebration too soon because we did they they did get some rain in some of those areas, but to your point, they have been so profoundly dry that it's going to take a lot to regenerate the moisture levels in some of those soils. Those moisture levels, by the way, <laughs> they've become a problem for us around here. Some guys, <laughs> yes. Some guys, no. Kind of depends on your soil. I saw some yep. guys out working midweek this week and actually some dust coming up from behind. You saw some of that too. <laughs> yeah. And yet, USDA is telling us that the moisture level in the soils here in the Hoosier State are abundant, which is above fine in some areas. So um, we don't need the kind of rain that we got on Friday, and we don't need any more rain that is expected here over the weekend. What we do need is a little bit more drying and some soil temps to get up before we start getting out there and plugging seeds in the ground. Yeah, that's true. And right now, soil temps are certainly uh, as a concern. I wouldn't call it a panic concern just yet. And if the forecast says we're going to warm up, it really becomes no concern. So we go back to what you mentioned earlier, where is all the support coming from in, in corn and soybeans? And, you know, I was kind of shocked to see 540 in December corn taken out this week. I didn't think the market could do that. But below that, you don't run into very much support. So you get down around 525, 507 is the next support below that. You go below 507 and you're talking below five bucks, mm-hmm. around 490 mm-hmm. something. Yeah. That gets kind of scary. Soybeans, $13. We're headed toward that. We hit 1399 this week, which was kind of scary. And that was one of the things actually 
like I say, that drove me to begin to look at support prices and where we're at. But you hit thirteen ninety nine. Well, the it knocked out the top support level, which is fourteen oh one. That's exactly right. And keep an eye on thirteen eighty three. That's major support. If the market can take out thirteen eighty three, holy cow, it could it could head toward uh, that thirteen dollar number. And uh, and if we have a good crop this summer with above trend yields or trend yields, we can even possibly hit $12 on soybeans. And that's still a pretty high price historically. But uh, but given what we've seen uh, just a few weeks ago, just eight days ago, July beans hit $15 eight days ago. And like we were talking, you know, we've been telling people this, that we saw a whole bunch of things that if they lined up was going to create, in fact, this scenario that we see right now. And <laughs> we're talking, it's like, what are you waiting for, $12 when it's sitting on fourteen fifty? Crying out loud, get rid of some of that stuff if you got any leftover. And then this week, this report that I was telling you about came out from World Bank and a big headline, you know, price drop for global commodities. With their research, and this is World Bank, they're expecting commodity prices to drop 21% this year. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, my goodness. Is, well, uh, so is what we're seeing now a harbinger of things to come, or is this an aberration that's going to be short-term? No, it's a harbinger, without a doubt. The numbers are very clear on this. Rob, you said it all. When you look at this, at the huge buildup in stocks, it's a harbinger. There's only one thing that can stop it right now, and that would be bad weather. Now, that could happen. We all know that uh, the bad weather would get in the growing season and turn this thing around uh, on a dime. But without bad weather, with normal weather, yes, it's a harbinger. Praying for a derecho. No, no, <laughs> no. no, no. All right, time for the uh, final word. I'm going to set you up for this one, John, because uh, when I got this one across my desk, I had to read it twice. Uh, not, that, <laughs> not that it's a big surprise, but USDA announced Thursday that all barge traffic will be halted across a wide swath of the upper Mississippi River. We kind of expected that with the big snow melt, but air quotes, for weeks, as record winter snowfall in the upper Midwest is now melting and flooding into waterways. Uh, that I uh, would I suspect, John, but you, you've got a lot more experience at, uh, at moving grain around uh, the eastern U.S. than I do. But the closers, it seems, would force grain and fertilizer shippers to find uh, potentially more costly transportation. I'm talking about like truck and rail, wouldn't it? Oh, that's exactly right. And of course, it's happening, which it always does. We're getting snow melt. So what happens when you have all that grain that's up in Minnesota and the Dakotas, which eventually finds its way to the river and meets our export demand down at New Orleans? Well, that's been disrupted. And that happens from time to time. It's an old story. You know, we get too dry. We saw that last fall. Remember last summer fall? Oh, yeah. We couldn't move it because it was, the water was right. so low now in the upper part of the Mississippi, up around uh, Minnesota and through there. Uh, northern Iowa, now you've got flooding and the, and the barge flow is disrupted. And you said it all, that means that you can't move it all by a barge. It's got to move. It will move. So it's going to have to move by more costly transportation. It's going to hit more trucks. It's going to hit more rail. And that runs the basis up. And that mm. makes the whole basis level go higher. So and the basis is already exceptionally strong. And given this problem, there's really no reason that plus planting season, because farmers are busy planting, not selling, they're planting. So cash moving a grain is going to slow down even more, and that should keep our basis strong, very strong, certainly during the early spring, which we're seeing now, but also should carry over into the summertime. And, uh, and, and again, old craft supplies are still fairly tight. So that's all the combination of the river problems 
and the tight stocks, et cetera, it's going to keep that old crop basis really strong. I don't really see any let up in that one. Thank you, Mr. Cavanaugh. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. They got to be one of the most active and aggressive farm lobbying groups locally on the state level, and as well the nation. The latest session at the state capitol just wrapped up here on Friday. And I'll tell you what, the Farm Bureau had a lot of big wins. You want to know what your membership is going to? Go online to check it out. Go to infb.org. None of this happens without your membership. Support your local Farm Bureau online at itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.